nobody goes to law school, studies uh, as much as I had to study and, you know, you know, would just say, I didn't really want to pass. I didn't really want to do it. I really wanted to do it. But I look back and more than anything, I wanted to be an advocate. And I realized that I could be an advocate with the legal training I've had uh, without being a lawyer. Welcome to the Find Your Calling podcast. I'm Terry Eisman. From failing the bar exam four times to becoming one of California's most powerful politicians, LA's 41st mayor has seen it all. But he wasn't always so poised. Until that is, he studied at UCLA and discovered his passion for advocacy. But how did he turn that into a legacy? Here now, a trip down memory lane with former mayor of Los Angeles, Antonio Viragosa. Joining us now is the 41st mayor of Los Angeles, Antonio Viragosa. Mr. Mayor, it's so great to have you here. Thank you so much for coming onto the program. Well, Terry, it's good to be uh, on this program with you uh, and with Brenda. I understand Brenda's at yes. UC San Diego, and although I'm a Bruin uh, at heart, uh, I'm a big supporter of the UC system. Yeah, my friend Brenda is also uh, joining us. She's a dear friend of mine. She's a rising senior at UCSD. Uh, she's also making a whole lot of waves. She's a board member at this financial literacy nonprofit. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that, Brenda, and um, introduce yourself? <laughs> yeah, sure thing. It's an honor to be here, Terry. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you, Mayor Antonio Verdugosa, for taking the time to speak with us. I am part of a nonprofit board called Alumni 360. It's a nonprofit that teaches children about financial literacy and scholarship acquisition in Canoga Park, which is in the San Fernando Valley, if you're unfamiliar with that area. We're so, I'm so glad that you're here, Brenda, um, because, you know, we're both political science students and I know we're so interested to learn about campaigning and, and what the levers of power um, look like and, and what it's really like to, you know, to be a mayor, you know, to, to, to have a position in, in public service. So I'm so excited to have you here. Um, Mr. Mayor, you have had a mesmerizing career in public service. I mean, you've literally climbed the totem pole, um, you know, in, in most um, sort of departments, if you will, in, in California politics. But I think it's important to sort of tee this conversation off with your formative years, because you kind of had a bumpy start to your childhood. Your father, you know, unfortunately left you at a very young age. And you had your mother, and you called your mother at one point a woman of indomitable spirit who never stopped believing in me. Can you tell us about her? Oh, what a great woman. I, I like to say that my mom was my mom, my dad, my grandpa, my grandmother. Uh, he, she was everything to uh, the four of us. And uh, whenever I've had uh, any kind of success, I've always acknowledged her publicly. Uh, because uh, she was, without question, uh, my inspiration. Uh, she was the person who stood by us uh, at a difficult time, as you mentioned. Father left uh, when we were five, when I was five. Uh, before that, we lived in a home of domestic violence and alcoholism, and, and she persevered. Uh, she put us on her shoulders through that period and beyond. And so uh, you're right. Uh, I always mention her because uh, without her, I, I never would have gone anywhere, frankly. 
Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, can you um, tell me about what, I mean, how much impact she had in terms of you deciding to go into public service, though? Because obviously most kids, you know, even who start off with bumpy childhoods, they don't go into public service necessarily. Well, first of all, my mom taught us the importance of education. And early on, uh, really from a young age, we were taught to be proud Americans, uh, proud of our heritage, uh, that we had a responsibility to family, community, uh, and country. Um, But interestingly enough, I got involved and actually um, after my mother got involved. My mother was so busy being a mom, uh, taking care of four kids in a difficult time She did remarry, but my mother had the responsibility for us uh, overwhelmingly on her shoulders. And um, I got involved at 15 years old. I got involved with the farm worker boycott against grapes in 1968. I uh, helped to organize uh, the Black Student Union with some fellow African-American high school students and later United Mexican American students, which was the predecessor of uh, Mecha, Movimiento Estudiantil Chicano de Atzalan. Um This was already at UCLA, right? At UCLA, well, actually in high school first, and then okay. uh, I went to East LA College and then at UCLA, uh, where I got reactivated and involved. And what I share with folks is afterwards I got involved with an undocumented um, for immigrant rights organizations and um, and my mother seen well one living in that time having a bit more time as we were growing older uh, began to get involved as well so we had um, a um, a mutual kind of an impact on one another, a, a dialectic, if you will. Uh, I impacted her and she impacted me. She impacted me by getting involved in education, making education so important, developing us the values of, you know, love for country and our heritage and our community. Um, but I also played a role in getting her involved as well because she was an activist uh, as well. I love that. It sounds like your mom was an activist at heart, and I feel like you kind of instilled some of those values. She instilled some of those values in you, and it sounds like by age fifteen, wow, you were already so heavily involved in your community. Um, as we were researching, we noticed that at age sixteen, there was a experience that you had a benign tumor that paralyzed you from the waist down. And now, in this moment, I'm just wondering: is there any hint of doubt that you had about? your abilities, given the physical limitations that you had experienced with this tumor? Actually, I was 15 when it happened. Um, ah. I, had, I was playing football and running track in my freshman year. I was on the student council and um, I was working that summer and all of a sudden one day, um, some symptoms that made it, you know, that forced my mom to rush me to the emergency and was there for about three and a half weeks 
uh, was paralyzed from the waist down, um, and uh, you know everything that comes with that is uh, being explicit. Um, and after about three and a half weeks, they diag they diagnosed uh, my condition as having a congenital tumor in the spinal canal that had uh, ruptured a disc uh, as well and, and uh, was causing a great deal of pain. Um, and so they had to operate. And um, that operation uh, was, I think, a 13 or 14 hour operation back then. Uh, the surgeon uh, was a, remember his name to this day, Casper Fuchs. He was the chair of neurosurgery at Kaiser Hollywood. And he um, played a really critical role because um, I remember my family, uh, everyone was crying. I hadn't seen my father since I was five and he was at visiting me at the hospital. Uh, my stepdad who didn't really have much of a relationship with me was also fairly emotional. My mother, my sisters, my family, my friends. I didn't know exactly what was going on, but when the, when the priest came, I got a little uh, nervous. Um, I guess it was customary for an operation of that kind to get, you know, last rites or whatever. But uh, I, I remember feeling, uh, uh, you know, very, uh, anxious about what was going to happen. And thankfully, you know, they explained that I could uh, end up permanently paralyzed from the waist down, uh, that I also could uh, face um, other uh, conditions that, you know, weren't optimum without going again into details. Um, so it was a pretty scary time. Yeah. Do you feel like that changed your perspective on life, though? Because I think a lot of times people experience traumatic, uh, you know, events, terrible things happen to people. And I think sometimes those, those individuals reflect and uh, maybe they feel as though, you know, their ambitions are out the window. But it doesn't sound like that was the case for you. I mean, what what did you learn about yourself? What did you learn about sort of resilience in, in that moment? I think for a time I got angrier. Um, I, um, angrier. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't play football or run track any longer. I had, uh, no, I had limitations on what I could do, um, physically and athletically. Um, my grades began, uh, to, uh, to worsen. And I, you know, I, I think I, developed a, a period of rebellion, if you will, um, where I, um, I kind of lost my way. Mm. So did, when you went to UCLA then, and you graduated in 1977, um, you know, the New York Times described you as a, quote, bright student with a self-described wild side. What, what did they mean? Do you think that, I mean, do you think that condition affected that in any way? Well, that description. no, I, I think what happened was I, I got ended up getting kicked out of high school first, uh, Cathedral High School. 
uh, a year later, you're in, you're in change later. Uh, I then went to Roosevelt High School where I dropped out. Um, I then um, went through a real period of, I think, uh, where I was really lost. Then I went back to school, uh, thanks to my mom and a teacher, Herman Katz. Um, I realized that I needed to go back to school. I went to East LA College and then went to UCLA. By the time I was at UCLA, there was still, you know, residues of that anger without question. Uh, but I began to find myself uh, through, um, you know, the opportunities that UCLA afforded me. I've often said if I hadn't gone to UCLA, I don't know where I would have been. Uh, you know, it certainly opened up a world to me. I grew up in a fairly segregated part of the city. Uh, there were Latinos, some uh, Jewish families and Japanese American families, but it was primarily by then a Latino neighborhood. Um, and, you know, UCLA kind of opened up my eyes to a whole new world. Uh, now, you know, back then, um, the students of color tended to hang around together and, uh, you know, hang around Campbell Hall, if you will. But nevertheless, it opened me up to a world that I hadn't experienced. And I've always been grateful for that. And it's one of the big reasons why I wanted to do this interview. I know this is one of your first uh, interviews and, and particularly in this tough time, uh, this pandemic era when many of you uh, aren't able to graduate, you're not able to go to your classes in the way that you were before, uh, not able to uh, intermingle with other students. I, I thought, you know, that I'd, I'd participate in, in this effort because I've always believed that I owe a great deal of uh, gratitude uh, to UCLA for everything I've been given. I wanted to ask about, I'm very proud to say that this is the first Mexican-American mayor that we've had over 130 years in LA. And on top of all those achievements, I just wanted to ask if there was, I'm an upcoming um, graduating senior from UCSD, but I'm also considering going to law school. And <laughs> I noticed that you took the bar four times and then decided to go a different route. I wanted to know what happened and what made you want to change your mind. Um, as a Le I'm also a Latina and I grew up in San Fernando Valley and came to UCSD and I feel like public universities here in Universities of California do open many doors, but it definitely doesn't stop there. We have to use that sort of opportunity, those opportunities that we got to help us develop our careers. And so I wanted to know why you decided to take your career a different route. Well, let me start with this. Uh, I want to congratulate the UC Regents on their decision uh, to eliminate the SAT. Uh, yeah, as, cheer for that. I as, as well. I'm very proud of the <laughs> fact that uh, um, my cousin is the chair of the UC Regents, uh, John Perez. Uh, I'm kidding. He's 15 years younger than me and uh, hates to admit, but I got him started. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm very proud of him because it took a lot of courage and uh, yeah. uh, to move in that direction, but it was also the right thing. You know, yes. the faculty had studied the issue. 
Um, but they had studied it, you know, more than a decade before. And they said, let's hold on. And they studied it again and said, let's hold on again. And at some point, uh, we've got to acknowledge the UCs uh, aren't representative of the state, of the talent in the state. You know, I always like to mention, and I said this to Ward Connerly when I sat on the UC Regents after, uh, the, def after the passage of Proposition 209, which eliminated, eliminated affirmative action. I tell people, you know, I got to UCLA on an affirmative action program. Some people will say I came in through the back door. But one thing's for sure, I got out the front. Uh, I, I am the first and only uh, person to graduate from UCLA, UCLA to have gone on to become Speaker of the California State Assembly and Mayor of Los Angeles. Uh, I, I think it says more, less about me, but more about the fact that there are so many people uh, with talent, whose talent we aren't nurturing and cultivating. So uh, what I'd say to you as a young person uh, at UC San Diego who wants to go to law school, go to law school. Um, you know, reach for the stars and follow your dreams. Uh, the, there is nothing you can't do with if you don't put your mind to it, both of you. Uh, you know, and, and that's true for so many young people Thank who you. don't get the chance to go to a UC. I currently sit as a board of trustee uh, at UC Merced, 45% Latino, disproportionately uh, a high quality institution of higher learning uh, that has, you know, disproportionately, uh, you know, young people of color. We can do it. Now, getting back to the bar exam, let me be clear. I failed the bar exam four times. I had always thought I wanted to be a lawyer, but once I worked in a law office, I realized uh, more than anything, I wanted to be an advocate, an advocate for justice, an advocate for equality, an advocate for um, this notion that a great, and just America ought to be an America for all of us, not just for some of us. I would have liked to have passed the bar exam. Looking back, I have three children who've been diagnosed uh, with ADHD, all of whom got reasonable accommodation. My oldest one, we all believe, also has it, but she's 44, and back then we didn't um, test for that in the way that uh, we do today. I believe I have it. I mean, anybody who knows me knows, you know, I have it. And I just couldn't stay in a classroom or, you know, yeah. eight hours a day for three days. I never finished the exam once on time, but I would have loved to have, uh, you know, passed it, of course. You know, nobody goes to law school, studies uh, as much as I had to study and, you know, you know, would just say, I didn't really want to pass. I didn't really want to do it. I really wanted to do it. But I look back and more than anything, I wanted to be an advocate. And I realized that I could be an advocate with the legal training I've had uh, without being a lawyer. You know, it seemed like that was baked into you from such a young age. Uh, some of my law professors used to say, they, they were always 
surprised that I wasn't able to pass and because I would challenge them on constitutional law, on civil procedure, on criminal procedure. And the same was true at UCLA. And even when I dropped out of high school, uh, in, in the classes that I was in when I was at Roosevelt High School, I used to challenge my teachers all the time. I would debate them, as a matter of fact. So it's interesting, you know, um, for whatever reason, uh, including uh, the fact that, um, uh, you know, I, I just couldn't concentrate uh, for three days, eight hours a day that way. As I said, I never finished the exam. I was always, you know, probably a half hour to an hour away yeah. from finishing. And, uh, you know, looking back, well, that, that, talking that, to that, the two of you, the one thing you. I know, if you went to law school, you're both going to pass the first time. I'm taking my LSAT test. I have to pass. The mayor says I have, I'm going to pass. I have to pass. <laughs> Mayor Viragosa issued the, yes, the, the directive on that. I have to ask you though, Mayor, because, you know, one of the, the big pillars of your mayoral run in, uh, well, not the run, when you were elected in 2005 was obviously education. And now we're sort of in this unprecedented moment where, you know, inequalities have been amplified, where, you know, the sort of the abysmal test scores that we have seen in, in California, um, you know, might even get worse because there's less support now. There are sort of fewer resources. In fact, the, you know, Governor Newsom said that we're going to have to, you know, slash the budget to, 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 shore, to shore up the budget in, in light of COVID. How would you, if you were mayor now, use this moment sort of when we're all taking a pause and we're all removed from our... Um, from our regular sort of environment, how would you reconfigure education in Los Angeles to sort of bridge those gaps that I just, I just mentioned that have not been bridged for a very long time? Well, first of all, let me, let me explain to you why I'm so passionate about education. My mother inculcated in all four of her children this thirst for knowledge, uh, this, the importance of education. And although I dropped out for a period of time, um, education was very important to me. And, and I think, you know, psychologically, when I went back, I went back in no small part because I knew my mom was right. Without an education, my life would have been dramatically different. If it weren't for a Catholic school system that gave me a, a foundation, a public school that gave me a second chance, uh, and a community college and univer public university system at the UCs that gave me the opportunity, I wouldn't be here today. But you know, you mentioned earlier on, uh, Brenda, that you were, that I was the first American and Mexican descent, the first Latino to be elected uh, since 1873, as a matter of fact. And I tell people, I was elected in no small part because I had an education, because I could communicate ideas, uh, because I had been given the opportunity. And with all the ado that was made, you know, the, the front page, uh, you know, headlines across the country and even the world in Mexico, Spain and other places, when I was elected mayor, I tell people as I looked around, 
Everybody serving me looked just like me. And so I looked at our school system, my own high school. When I graduated from high school in 1971, they had a tw Roosevelt High School had a 25% graduation rate. Wow. 34 years later, when I graduated, it was a 36% graduation rate. The school system wow. overall had a, LA Unified had a 44% graduation rate. One out of three schools were failing. So I said, if we're going, if this is going to mean something, the fact that I'm the first, the role of the first is to open up the door for the rest. The role of the first is not to bang on your chest and say how great I am. It's to open up that door and lift more people up. So I'm proud that when I left, after fighting, uh, sometimes with friends, uh, we went from one out of three failing schools to one out of 10, from a 44% graduation rate to a 72. It's now at 80. Uh, but as you said, um, we, we, we need to do something. We need to do something uh, to make sure that we're funding our schools, that we're supporting our teachers, that we're providing technology in our classrooms. I think this pandemic uh, gives us an opportunity uh, to say what, you know, what really are our values? Every kid ought to have a computer uh, so they can work online in the state of California. Every kid ought to have high-speed internet in the state of California. In a world where uh, we overnight are losing jobs, particularly low-wage jobs that don't require an education, we need to focus uh, to a much more, much greater degree and more aggressively on STEAM. Uh, you know, uh, science, technology, engineering, mathematics, uh, and the arts. Uh, we need uh, to be focusing to a much greater degree on um, making sure our kids, our young people are prepared for the next, uh, you know, generation uh, for a, an economy uh, that's predicated on the intellectual capital. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I got to ask you, just as we wrap things up, you have so many laurels that you can certainly rest on. You've been, you know, in the California Assembly, the speaker, the the, the leader, um, the mayor of Los Angeles, you know, um, certainly uh, my positions with monumental power and influence. Um, what advice, if you could, would you give the 20-year-old UCLA Bruin uh, Antonio Viragosa today and maybe, maybe students in, in similar backgrounds? What would you tell them about success? I'd say it's not enough to be a lawyer, a doctor, an engineer. Uh, it's not enough uh, to be a great student. Uh, we need to take advantage of these opportunities and open the door of opportunity for others. Uh, we need uh, to understand uh, that we need to participate to get involved, to make our country a better place, to make it all that it's held itself out to be. So the question stands, is the mayor gearing up for yet another run for office? And can he win? Tweet me with your perspective at Terry underscore Eisman. Thank you for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe, stay healthy, 
and I'll see you right back here on the next episode of Find Your Calling.